Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Hallelujah. What a powerful time of praise. Amen. I'll tell you what, when uh, sometimes you get a little sinus and your voice gets messed, it's the hardest thing on planet earth for me to do is not sing. Huh? I feel like my head's going to blow off. And uh, I look around, sometimes I see people just staring at the wall. I don't understand how you do it. Uh, If you've tasted and seen like I have the goodness of the Lord, I don't know how in heaven's name you keep from shouting and singing and, you know, I have to apologize. Well, I don't apologize much anymore because Tina's just gotten used to it, singing out of tune and out of key. But on nights like tonight, she has to keep giving me that look. I don't know if y'all over the neighborhood saw that. I'd start to sing and she'd just glance at me, you know. That means to save your voice, okay? So <laughs> if you have your Bible tonight, I want to encourage you to join me in Psalm number 29. Psalm number 29. Can we get a Wednesday night smile together? Let, all right, let me go by neighborhoods. How about over here? Can y'all flash one one time? Show teeth if you can, all right? Stretch it one time. Ready? Here we go. Hold it, hold it. All right, this side right here in the middle. Hulk got some good ones in there, boy. All right, how about out here? Y'all got some no teeth? Y'all like a show? Okay, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Uh, it's good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And it's good in the middle of the week to come away from the world, isn't it? And uh, all that is life and, and get back with the people of God, get back in his word. Uh, so tonight I want to ask you as we get started, did everybody get a copy of our outline? If you didn't, would you hold your hand up and they'll make sure that you get one? Uh-oh. Well, tell me everybody. Okay, we well, right down front. We need one right down here. Just a few. Uh, don't y'all thank God for our greeters and those that help and hand out and make sure all that stuff. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> uh, not just for them, but for all of the many servants. Uh, they take so many. It takes so many to do what God does here. And I'm, I'm so thankful for every one of you. Psalm number 29. And the title of the message is one word. It's the word authority. And I want you to think for just a minute about the song, the last song in which we sang. And it talked about the fact that one word from God changes everything. Now, how many of you uh, grew up in a home where dad was very serious about you doing what he said do? Raise your hand if, if you grew up in a house where dad was not joking or he was serious about, okay, all right, most everybody. Wow. Okay. Um, how many of you were in a house where mom and dad were very serious about what they said do or grandmom and granddad, whoever it was that raised you, they were serious about, okay. So I guess a lot of us, most of us in here would say yes. Um, there were times when I was growing up when I would be doing something And one of my sisters would shout, stop, you know, or quit or whatever. And it had no effect on me. Can anybody identify with that? But when dad said, quit, you knew there was a different authority in the room. Somebody amen right there. And uh, can you remember the times when you got caught doing the things that you didn't think they were in the room and mom or dad won or grandmom and granddad won? When they saw you do it, they said something in that moment of terror. I don't know about you guys, but a little bit of terror came over your mind and your heart, and you said, oh, no, this ain't going to be good. 
And so tonight I want to talk about, if I could for just a moment, uh, the majesty. Now, this, here's the interesting thing about this topic. <clears throat> There's no way in which you and I can do any justice to the topic. There's no way we could take a little bit of time tonight and dive into this deep subject dealing with the majesty and the awe and the power and the authority of Almighty God. But I think it'd be good for us at least to begin to have the opportunity tonight to let the Word and the Spirit wash over us and that we would leave out of here with a little bit better understanding of the authority and the power and the majesty and the glory of God. Somebody amen if you agree with that. So let's dive in, okay? Psalm number 29, a Psalm of David. There are going to be three individual parts to Psalm 29. We're going to look at that in your outline. You see it's broke up into three parts, and we'll talk about that at length as we go along tonight, okay? As long as the voice holds out and we're trusting the Lord's going to carry us to the finish line, okay? So would you stand to your feet tonight in honor of reading God's Word, and let's dive into Psalm 29 together. Some of y'all, you're smiling still. Isn't that good? All right, beginning in verse number one. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is, help me somebody, powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord, help me, divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says, y'all shout with me, glory. The Lord sat enthroned when? At the flood. That's interesting. And the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Let's pause for a word of prayer. Would you bow with me? And by the way, can you believe this room is full out here on a Wednesday night, the first Wednesday night of the year? Hallelujah. You had every opportunity to stay home and be tired, make excuses, and yet here you are. So I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And I promise you, if you'll make this a commitment, a consistency for the rest of this year, your life will be forever changed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us the health and the ability to be here tonight. <clears throat> thank you, God, for preserving your word through thousands of years to put it into our language in our hands. Thank you, O oh God, for your Holy Spirit, who is our comforter and our guide. Now, Lord, we pray that you would help me through the gift of preaching that you've given me, God, that you would help me to proclaim this truth so that every single one of us can understand it. And Father, as you do that through such a weak and beggarly vessel, would you also touch my ears to hear that voice, that still small voice, the voice of a loving father speaking to his son and daughter and God, I pray that tonight you'd speak to every heart, every home, whether they be in the room or some remote location or even in a podcast later on. Master, would you speak from on high and may we be forever changed. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and the people of God said, amen. amen. Thank you and you may be seated. <clears throat> and I'll ask again, are you guys still okay with having an outline? On Wednesday night? Okay, good. All right, so let's look at that. Put your eyes on there with me and let's look for just a minute. Now, you'll notice that the main idea is a little bit wordy, right? 
And the reason for that is covering the whole psalm, there were so many key details that had to be included, right? So you know that when you're having a main idea, you want it to be short and pointed so that it's easy to remember. And so that when you're at work tomorrow, somebody says, what'd you do last night? Well, I went to church. Well, you did what? On Wednesday night? Yeah, I went to church, gathered as the church, and I learned something. And you want to be able to say what the main idea is of what you learned, okay? And so this was a little wordy, but just, just think about it with me, okay? Here's what it says. And the main idea of Psalm 29, 1 through 11, is that God deserves glory, okay, why? For he, y'all help me, reigns, but also giving strength and peace to his children. Now, you look for that as we go through the passage, okay? See the elements. God, okay, he's the object. He deserves something. What does he deserve? Glory, okay. Uh, and why? Because he reigns and he also gives and peace to his children. Okay, you got it. You got it. Now let's walk through this thing a little at a time, okay? Roman number one in your notes is covered in verses one and two. <laughs> Excuse me, in verse three, he transitions into speaking about the voice of the Lord. So let's look at what he says in the first two verses. And in your little blank there, if you'll write this word, give God his due. Would you write that down? Give God his due. The scripture says in Psalm 29, verse one, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory, here's the word, due or in association with, in relationship to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of gloriness, uh, excuse me, of holiness. Now I want you to think for a minute about what the psalmist is saying about what you and I ought to do in response to what he's gonna tell us next. He's gonna tell us next about the power of his voice and the fact that he's always on the throne. But he gives us a direction first. So based on what he's gonna tell us in a minute, he says that what we ought to do is give God his due. What is his due? He's due glory and he's due worship. Maybe you'd write those two words underneath that. All right, what is God due? He is due the fullness of glory and he's, he is due my all of my worship. Maybe you'd put that somewhere that so you can see it, all right? He's due all of that. And let me just say this, he's due so much more. And I'm afraid that sometimes you and I treat him like he's just another one of our friends. I'm afraid that sometimes we, not you, but we, treat him like one of just another one of our family members. And sometimes we, would you agree with me that sometimes we reduce him down in our imagination uh, to somebody who's about our size, maybe a little bit bigger? And so because of that, we miss on the side. Now this word give, you understand what he's not saying is for you to go home and box up some glory. Send it UPS to heaven. You understand? He's not saying take worship, put it in a box, put a bow on it and give it to God. No, what he's saying, that word give there literally means to ascribe or to put onto God's account. It's more of a mental type of attitude. Y'all tracking with me? It means that when I'm living my life and I'm making decisions day to day, well, moment by moment, I'm making decisions based upon who I ascribe to being the greater. Is anybody with me? I'm either gonna ascribe that I'm greater or I'm going to, and there's only two choices. I'm going to either ascribe that I'm greater and I know it's best, or I'm going to ascribe and give to God the glory to his name and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to ascribe to him that he is the greater. And the evidence of that, listen, will come out in how I live my life decision by decision. What I put on the radio, what I put on my plate, what I put in my glass, what I put on, what words come out of my mouth, what thoughts are rolling around in my head, uh, what I involve my hands doing, what I involve my money doing. Uh, I want you to see all of that says who I have ascribed glory and worship and weight to. Y'all tracking with me? 
So the psalmist is saying, now, before I tell you why, I'm going to tell you what. What you ought to do is give God his due. Give God his due. You ever seen somebody in the workplace who really carried more than their own load and yet never really got appreciated? Is anybody out there? Now, maybe that's been you. Some of y'all are like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and and you, you, you feel like you carry the weight of three people and yet the others that don't carry even their own weight sometimes get the greater glory. And that's the relationship here that David is saying we ought not to do with God. And sometimes it's God who's carrying the weight. Well, let me just say, it's always God who's carrying the weight. It's God who's acting. It's God who's doing good. It's God who's gifting. And oftentimes we overlook him and he's treated as the lesser in our lives. Let me just say, if you've ever been in that spot, if you've ever been in that spot, come on, somebody. It is an uncomfortable, right? No fun type of situation when you're doing everything and people are just sort of overlooking and not, and not giving you the credit, if you will, where credit is due. So the psalmist is saying, you and I ought to give God the glory due his name. Now, let me just talk about a few things there in your notes. There's a question there, right, in your outline? There should be two, as a matter of fact. And the first one says, what number value would you assign to God? One being the least and 10. Now, y'all put your pen there. Hold on. Y'all jumping out there with your Sunday school answer and putting 12. Now, just hang on. You're getting ahead of yourselves. My therapist said today, I see you're going to be one of those that pushes a little too far. I said, I don't know why you'd say that about me. So I want you to hit the brakes a minute. I want you to ponder the question. What, would you, what do you think you would ascribe to God? One being the least, 10 being the absolute most valuable, number one above all things, that would be a 10. Now I want you to fill in that blank really quickly, okay? <clears throat> now you've pondered it. What would you assign to God? And a number value, one to 10. Sadly, many will write down a 10 right here and get it wrong. Not wrong in the fact that God is not the 10. Obviously, he's not on the chart. But let's look at the second question. <clears throat> okay, you look at it with me? What number value would your life assign to God? Now, someone would say, what do you mean my life? Well, what you do, what you say, what you're not willing to do, and what you will not say. Uh, in other words, uh, is God worth enough to you that you don't gossip? Is God of enough of value to you that you, you set aside worship as a time first to prepare your heart and you spend time before you come into the house of the Lord and you prepare your heart and mind in prayer and you spend some time praising him and then you come expecting as you've prayed for other people and you come expect, or is it just something that's just sort of a leftover? I'm gonna show up and see what's there for me. So when you look at your life, if you look at, here's the thing, if you look at, I'm gonna speak to the older folk in the room, I guess some folks still do this, look at your bank account or checkbook, right? And if you just go down and look at where you spend most of your resources, you can quickly assign a numerical value to who God is in your life. Let's look at free time. By the way, what is that? <laughs> right? We seem to none of us have free time, and yet we make the times to do the things that we love to do. So if you looked at your time just this week, think about the time you spent with him time you spent with your husband, with your wife, with your best friend, with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, time you spent with your coworkers, time you've spent thinking on him, time you've spent uh, talking to him, listening to him, time you've spent investing in the word of God, let it wash you. I want you to think for just a minute about the time. Now, looking at your time, which one of those numbers in one to 10 would your, your time allotment, what value would your time allotment place on, on God? And I'm afraid tonight 
I'm afraid tonight that we've started out with a 10. And it's quite possible that if we really begin to evaluate life in deed and in word, we get somewhere closer to a two. And I'm just saying for tonight, now listen, don't look at the car because I'm not talking down to you. I'm talking about us. I believe the word of God is talking to us tonight, right? To give, here's what David's saying. Give him glory. Assign the right value to him. And don't just do it on Wednesday night in the middle of nowhere when it's a comfortable and safe environment, but do it in the workplace. Do it when nobody else is doing it on the ball field. Doing it in places where, where you're going to get made fun of. Do it in a way that people don't have to guess who is number one in your life. So, number one, give God, y'all help me, his due. It's a, a value based on what I think about, <clears throat> what I talk about. You know, the people that spend the most time with you, I could ask them, hey, what's important to her? And you know, they could tell me what it is. You know how they would know? Anybody? What you talk about. It's what you talk about. And so the question that would be great to consider to tonight would be this. How often this week have you talked about Jesus? How often have you just said his name? How often have you talked about what he's doing in your life? How often have you talked about what he's teaching you in the first sweetest hour of the morning? You see, what I talk about, there's a numerical value. If I look at what I talk about, your family and friends are already assigning a value because they hear you talk about things over and over and they see a little twinkle. You know how I've learned about people when it's something they're passionate about, but they get a little twinkle in their eye. Sometimes it'll make you a little nervous. You take a step back, won't you? And they start talking about their grandkids. They're like, oh, hang on, you're in my space. Now, <laughs> hang on. I know they're great. They're great. And, and so I want you to think about that as we move forward, okay? Let me move on to Roman numeral two. Write this in your blank there, and we'll look at verses three and on down through verse number nine. His voice is, and we sang about it, authority. His voice is authority. How many of you in the room by survey and a show of hands believe that God still speaks to his people? If you think he still speaks, raise your hand. All right, amen. And he does, in fact, still speak. And the number one way that God speaks to his people, do you know what it is? It's his word. I've heard it said before, don't ever declare that God is silent if, you're, if your Bible stays closed. Someone asked me one time, how do you, you say that you hear God? How do you, how do you hear the voice? I said, I spend time in the word of God. And I, sometimes I think about what would it be like to live a life without having the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Without, without hearing God say, uh, uh, put a thought in my heart and on my mind uh, like he did today with this message and the song that he wanted to hear. And sometimes, you know, um, um, God bless Ryan, our praising. He, he didn't I'd ask him about that song about four o'clock this afternoon. And I said, man, God said that we got to sing this song tonight. And he would jump right on it and was happy to do it. But I want you to think about this. All right, look at verses three through nine. So David starts out by telling us what we should do. What should we do? Give God his due. What's he do? All glory and all praise, okay? Now, why? Because the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The, the God of glory thunders. He's still speaking of the voice and the magnitude of God's voice. The Lord is over many waters. There's a picture here of creation when the spirit of the Lord hovered over many waters. And you know how God uh, brought things into being uh, before he got to man? You know how he did that? He spoke it. His voice. Let there be. I call it the big bang. Now I always get people riled up. Y'all know when I'm not at Hickory Ridge, I always, I have to start out by telling them, listen, I want y'all to know something about me right now as a visiting preacher, preacher revival. I'm a big bang theory guy. Boy, they get all sideways. 
but I explained to them that science says some big bang happened out there. Now, they're wrong about what the bang was, but they're right about some catastrophic thing happened back there, and that was the voice of God. And the universes began to expand from there. And it was when he said, let there be, and then there was the voice of God. I want to say something to you tonight. You and I need a word from God in our lives. We need it. And I I believe this. I believe there's some of you who came in tonight limping. Now, I don't mean because I saw you limping. I just know that sometimes life has a way of limping us, doesn't it? And we get hamstrung and we get, we get busted up and we, get, we face things that are difficult and, and sometimes we find ourselves there. And I'm telling you, what we need more than anything else over a prescription, over counseling, over, over good friends, over, over any other thing is a word from God, the voice of the Lord. Listen, he goes on to say in verse four, is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. I love what he says in verse four, the Lord, the voice of the Lord is powerful. God has said some things to me that have absolutely changed my life. Anybody else can say that? Uh, There are things that God has said to me that when he said it to me, I said, you know what? No matter what, I've got to do this. And it's not a good idea. It's not something you just sit around and dreamed up. But when you know it's the voice of God, it lines up with the scripture. I'm telling you, when that happens for the child of God, it says, you know what? No matter what, no matter if they run me out of town, no matter if nobody goes with me, God said, I've got to do this. I'm telling you, if you've never had him do that, I wish now you begin asking him, now, God, would you speak to me? Now, don't ask him that if you're not going to listen for him in his word. But if you want to hear his voice, you'll begin spending time each day in his word. I promise you, it'll be one of the most powerful things you'll ever experience. The voice of the Lord is powerful. He goes on to say in verse four, it's full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. There was a, a, an opportunity that happened recently in, in, in a worship environment, and there was somebody there who was singing, and to man's standards, you would say that their singing wasn't maybe on pitch. It was about like me. You with me? Um, okay. And, and as I heard the person making the sounds, the, the voice of God said to me, I love that voice. And I, I just froze. And in the middle of worship, I forgot what song we were singing and tears began to flow down. Why? The voice of the Lord is powerful and full of majesty. And I thought about how Ryan can sing and Krista can sing and how, how Marsha can sing. All of our gift and Kristen, all of them can sing so well. And yet God had never said to me, I love their voice. Now, I'm not saying he didn't love their voice. Of course he does. What he was saying to me was that I don't need you to judge which voices are better. I love that voice. And so the voice of the Lord is a powerful thing. It's full of majesty. Let me move on just a little bit, okay? Everybody all right? I'm getting a little bit excited here, so I need you to come with me, okay? I know you're tired, but I need you to come with me. All right, so let's pick up now, if you will, verse five. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. He's just speaking of the power of his voice. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon, these great mighty trees, God's voice. The illustration here is of the splintering power of God's voice. Can you imagine if God would speak into whatever it is that you've got going on? If God would just say one word, the kind of authority that is found. Now, let me just say something. It's, it's a lot different than this, than this new word of faith type of movement that says, I can speak it into existence. Now, understand the Hebrew word is bahra. And the word means to create something out of nothing. And if you'll read Genesis to Revelation, you'll find out only God can bahra, which means to create something out of nothing. Now, watch how this works out. Let me read a little further along. Verse number six, he makes them also skip like a calf. He makes what skip like a calf? The cedars of Lebanon, 
these great and mighty trees. His voice, the illustration David is making is that God's voice is so powerful, he makes these giant trees as little skipping calves across the meadow. <clears throat> Reading a little further along, Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. Verse seven, the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. He tells the fire where to go, the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. The voice of the Lord, listen to this in verse eight, shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Verse nine, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. You think God has to say to every single deer, all right, have your baby? No, but because God said it in the beginning, it has stayed and will stay forevermore. The deer gives birth. Let me go on and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says, glory. Now, verses three through nine speak about the voice of God and the authority therein. Now, I wanna take you quickly on a journey, if I could. And I want you to just sort of listen along. I'm not sure if I put, I think I put it in your outline, but I want you to think about walking through the Bible quickly about the authority of a word from God. Are you ready? All right, the voice of God called, y'all help me, galaxies into existence. He called Adam from the dirt. He called Abraham out of Ur. You remember? He called Job out of depression. He called Elijah out of, come out of that cave. He called Moses, come on, I got a mission for you. A teenage girl named Mary to give birth to his son. His voice called ordinary men to follow the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. His voice calls the paralyzed to walk and demons to become beggars. His voice turned an adulterer to forgiveness and called her to holiness. His voice caused a storm to lay down and cease in the midst of the disciples. His voice called a dead man named Lazarus from the tomb in his grave clothes as he hopped out alive. I want you to understand something tonight. The voice of the Lord is ultimate authority. But also, the voice of the Lord calls lost people to abundant life. It's the voice I heard at the age of nine. It's the voice I heard again all the days of my life. It's the voice I heard at age 19 when I took a step in my direction that said to me, come back here, I've got something better for you. It's the voice that as I left the club each night at two, three o'clock in the morning, cried myself to sleep, that said to me each night, I've got something so much better for you over and over again. It's the same voice that early that Sunday morning when I looked at myself in the mirror and hated the man that I saw and I began to feel in despair for what I had done to the name of my king, it was the same voice that said to me, but you know how to come home. It's the same voice that beckons me to go and preach the gospel because I love them and I want them to know me and I want them to know me better and I want them to experience all the abundant life that I have given unto them. Oh, I don't want you to understand. I mean, I want you to understand. I don't want you to leave tonight misunderstood about the power and the authority of the voice of God. Let me move on if I can to number three. I wanted to just sort of camp out there, but for the sake of time, I'm gonna move on. The voice of God is ultimate authority. Number three, I want you to find in verse number 10 that he is king, write this in your notes, forever. I got an amen back there. Hallelujah. Psalm 29 and verse number 10, he is king forever. I love that word. Today at the graveside, as we were with Spud's family and laying his your son to rest, and I want you to be praying for him and his family. And as we were there, we read the 23rd Psalm in closing. And the last word that we all shared together was a word that I love because there'll be no more see you laters on that day when we get home with the Good Shepherd. And that word is forever, forever. Now listen with me. Let's read 
Psalm 29 and verse number 10. The Lord, read with me, sat enthroned when? At the flood. Interesting that of all of the events in the word of God up until David wrote Psalm 29, that David would say and pick the event of the flood, okay? Now, I want us to think for a minute about why. Why would David pick the flood? Why didn't he pick creation? Why didn't, why didn't he, I don't know, why did he pick this particular, particular event? Think about it. If you are, if you are Noah and you are Ham, Shem, and Japheth, if you're, if you're those wives, hey, the flood and what happened at the flood was an awesome thing. Somebody amen. God gave him a vision, showed him what to build. 120 years, he built a boat when there's no rain. Uh, people made fun of him, told him he's insane. He preached the good news. He told people to turn. They wouldn't turn. After 120 years of preaching, the flood waters came from under the earth and from out of the sky and flooded the face of the earth, right? And we would say, what a glorious event, unless we were the other 99.9% of the population. At which time, we would be scattering and scurrying to the high ground as fast as we could get there. And as we gathered in the high ground, some of us would be taken out in the low ground, drowned by swift rushing waters. But as we made our way to the high ground, the closer we got, the more we would trample one another, trying to climb across each other's back and across vehicles, trying to find high ground until we all found the highest peak. And then at that point, all of us just began to float. You know, sometimes we look at the story of Noah and it's in the children's books and it looks so beautiful, doesn't it? You got this huge ark. It's out there floating on the water and it's just, sky's pretty, you know, it's cleared up. But you know what really was, what it really looked like, what you see in that water everywhere? Well, the bodies of those who rejected him floating in, in mass. Have you ever seen what happens when a flood comes and, and a, and a a pile of fire ants float on top of that water and just a mass are trying to get to. So, so for, for one group of people, we would say that, uh, that, that the flood was a magnificent thing, but for another group of people, we'd say it was horrific. Come on, somebody. If you weren't part of that family, if you had rejected the good news to, that they could trust God and live for him and, and you had found yourself scurrying for high ground until finally you and your family were drowned. You said the flood was a very difficult thing. And here's what I believe David is saying to me and you, that God was God of both of those. He was God of the salvation and God of the wrath. He's God of the judgment and God of the, and God of the pardon. You see, there's a word that he said, the word that he said he covered the outside of that, of that ark with pitch. That word is the same word for atonement, meaning that something was put on the outside of the boat that kept the sinful mess on the outside, the wrath and judgment on the outside, and no one his family was safe on the inside. He's the God of salvation, but he's also the God of justice and wrath. And the same news is true today that whosoever would put their hope and trust in Jesus shall be saved and those who don't shall face his wrath. I want you to think about that today. He is king forever. Now, here's what I'm reminded. I'm reminded that he was God when my little baby boy, my baby girls were born. He was God. He was sitting on the throne when they were born. But he was also sitting on the throne when we found out one of our children was struggling with drug, 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 drug use. He was God when Tina said yes, when I asked her if she'd marry me. He was God then. But he was also God when I was laying on my stomach with my, with my wrist crushed. He's seated and throned over all things and even the things that seem to be terrible and bad. He's a God who's able to take those terrible and bad things and turn them into something 
good. He sat in, aren't you glad? He sat enthroned at the flood. And whatever you're going through today, listen to me, he's not confused about the outcome. He's not forgotten you. He's not trying to decide what to do to help you. He just simply wants you to draw near to him. And I promise you, he already has it all worked out. He was enthroned at the flood. But listen to what he goes on to say at the end of verse 10. He said, and the Lord sits as king, there's the word, <clears throat> forever. Which means, and I like to say this often, while you and I slept last night, he reigned. I know, I, get, well, I can't wait to go home tonight and go to sleep. Can anybody else looking forward to going to sleep tonight? Raise your hand. Some of y'all need to stay, get up a little early. Only half of y'all decided to go to bed. Let me ask again. Some of y'all are riding. How many of you can't wait to go to sleep when you get home? Okay, right. Now, if you ask the nursery back there, none of them will raise a hand. Not one of them. <clears throat> I want you to think about the fact that I'm able to go home and lay down and what all that's going on in the world today and, and have a family and grandchildren, you know, six grandchildren are just starting out. And you watch the news and you hear about what all is going on in the world. And the way I can go home and, and get in my bed and talk to him till I drift off to sleep is because while I sleep tonight, he will reign on the throne forevermore. So glory be to God, authority, okay? Let me move on if I can. I gave you some scripture verses there in your notes. You read through those. I'm gonna come on past them and come on down to number four if that's all right with y'all. Here we go. Roman numeral four in your notes, write this down. He strengthens and settles his people. Would you write that down? He strengthens and settles his people. Now, based on what you've heard, I wanna ask you a question, okay? I'm gonna give you a second to write. You guys tickle me. You got them blanks filled in. Boy, you're serious about it. I'm gonna give you a minute to write, okay? He strengthens and settles his people, all right? Now, based on what we have heard so far, everybody with me? Some of y'all still riding. Y'all ride slow, don't you? <laughs> all right, is it still up there? Leave it up there for them so they can see it. You everybody good? Yes? Y'all just staring at me. I can't read you. Got to nod. Okay, there we go. All right, so here's my question. Based on what we've talked about so far, how does he do it? Now, now listen, I know there's a lot of ways but I'm talking about based on Psalm 29. What is the whole middle section about? His voice. So based on Psalm 29, what do you think the assumption is that David is making? Because he spent six long verses talking about how powerful the voice of God is. One word from God. One word from God can bring peace like a river. I remember a time in my life about seven years in here at Hickory Ridge. I don't know, it was about 2012 or 2013. And I remember sitting in, the, in our little breakfast table, little round breakfast table in our trailer at the time. And I remember feeling like something had died on the inside. And I, I remember feeling like I didn't want to go anymore. I didn't want to preach again. I couldn't, I felt no passion to do it. I felt like something was broken. I, I shared it with a few people, Tina, and a couple of my closest friends. I said, something's wrong. And I said, I think I'm just going to go back and lay asphalt because it was easier. And I remember people saying, what do you mean? And they kind of made jokes. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. Asphalt is asphalt every day of the week. It never acts like concrete. It doesn't act like dirt. Asphalt always acts like asphalt. It'll always do what it's supposed to do, right? And it may be difficult, but you know how to deal with it. People, on the other hand, 
Sometimes act like concrete. Sometimes they act like hickory wood. Sometimes they act like, and, and, and I'm telling you, uh, I, I, and Jimmy Arrington was one of them, they, they, they would try to speak some encouragement to me and it had no effect. Zero. A couple of days go by and I'm thinking, man, this isn't going away. And I, it's breaking my heart. I remember weeping about it. And one morning I'm sitting at the table and you know, in those times you do what you know to do, right? You just stay in the word. And early one morning I was at the table, I'm reading the Psalms and I'm reading through the word and, and, and God spoke to me in a few verses into my heart. And it was like somebody took a match and struck it and lit the candle again. And the fire was burning, has been ever since. And what I'm saying to you is this, one word from God changes everything. Now listen to where he finishes this thing. Okay, put your eyes on verse number 11. <clears throat> the Lord, y'all tracking with me? The Lord will give, y'all help me, strength to who? Mm. So God didn't give strength to everybody. Huh? No, his people. <clears throat> he gives strength to his people. So he says he gives strength to his people and the Lord will bless a certain group of people. Which ones? His people, not just with strength, but with peace. Now, how many in this room would want to be stronger and have more peace? Raise your hand. I want to be stronger and I want to have more peace, right? Now, I'm not talking about more stronger in the weight room. I'm talking about stronger for the journey of life. I'm talking about stronger in the word. I'm talking about stronger in my prayer life. I'm talking about stronger in my uh, role as a husband and a daddy and a granddaddy. I'm talking about stronger in my role as a friend who point my people to Jesus and not waste their time pointing them to other frivolous things. I wanna be stronger and I wanna have a peace that as the world is shaking around me, I'm, my heart is unshakable. And the purpose of that is so that people in a shaken world with a shakable heart can view the evidence of Christ in me and in you and say, oh, there's something different about that guy. Hey, tell me what it is that keeps you from being unrav unraveled. Oh, I'm glad that you've seen something. His name is Jesus. And he is the Prince of Peace. And though he'll not make peace between you and every person on planet earth, he'll make peace between you and God. And when you have peace with God, friend, listen, you'll have peace for the journey. So in conclusion, verse number 11, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Let's look at a couple of verses in closing. First of all, Isaiah 40 and 29. Is it in your notes? We got to hurry. It's time to go. You ready? He, he, the word of God says in Isaiah, he gives to the, oh, the weak. And I would even say and express to you tonight, those that acknowledge their weakness. Because the word of God says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, a person who acknowledges the fact that they're weak, that's when God really proves himself strong. Let, let's read it. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. <clears throat> You ever found yourself in a place where you felt like you had no might? Early this morning, Gerald and I were texting back and forth ahead of today, knowing that we were going to be doing Eric's homegoing service. And, and one of the things we said back and forth was that we would ask God to help us, to help us, say it again, to help us be some measure of comfort to the family and friends. And, and what I want to say is that we also prayed that God would help them. And what I saw right here on the front row, because the family's down here and the whole place is full of folks 
and I watched the whole family cross these front three rows. I saw them, Gerald, I know if you saw them or not, they had smiles on their face we were singing. And, and through tears, they were smiling and nodding and amening. Why? Because the Lord gives strength to his people. When you have no might, he'll give you what you need. Let me go on and conclude. Put your eyes, if you will, on John 14 and 27. Are you there? Somebody amen? It's on your notes, so you gotta be there, right? You didn't even have to turn there. <clears throat> so look with me, if you will. John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. Not just any peace, but my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. So listen, there's a conclusion. The world does offer me and you peace. Let me look at your face because you're contemplating. The preacher said Wednesday night that the world offers me peace. It does, but it's fleeting. And it'll last as long as you can stay drunk. It'll last as long as you can stay high. It'll last as long as you can be in that sexual relationship outside of marriage. It'll last as long as you can get that large sum of money until you spend it. It'll last as long as you get the promotion and then, there's, and then it's not enough. It'll last as long as you have that certain person in your life and then they're gone. And so there is a kind of peace the world offers. The problem is it runs away. It's like trying to hold water in your hand. And so you're constantly chasing it. It only lasts for a second. And the second that you're spending finding the peace is actually harming you. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? And Jesus said, that's not the kind of peace I offer you. I'm not offering you peace that's gonna run away from you. I'm not offering you something you have to keep, keep on going and doing. But you stay near to me and I'll give you a peace that lasts. By the way, I'm so thankful that Jesus has brought peace into my life. Let's read. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. And then he says, because he gives us this, let not your heart be troubled. Now notice for a moment, if you will, let not helps us to understand. Jesus said, we've got a decision to make. Let not. He's saying, choose this. So as his voice speaks peace and his spirit gives strength, he's saying, you and I get a choice to make. We can listen to our own voice. We can listen to the voice of the enemy in the world or, or we can listen to the voice of power and of peace. And my goodness, can I tell you what I've learned in my life? There's no comparison. Neither, he said, let it be afraid. We have nothing to fear. So tonight, I just want to remind you that God deserves, remember where we started all this, <clears throat> all that we just heard, because he, his voice is, is powerful, because, because he gives his people strength and peace, then we ought to give him glory. Let's go back and look at the main idea, and then we're going to go to prayer. Y'all read it with me. Can we say it out loud? Say it like you mean it. Say it with a little authority. Let's do this before we close. God deserves glory, for he reigns, giving strength and peace to his children. Let's pray together. Would you bow with me, please? How many of you would say tonight that you need a word from God? Just want to ask as the lights are going down and the praise team is making their way up, I just want to ask you tonight, simply put, how many of you tonight say, I need a word from God? Matter of fact, I'm gonna ask you this. If tonight you're here and you, you really desperately need a word from God in a certain situation, in a relationship, in a need, I'm gonna ask you to get up out of your chair and come down to the altar. <clears throat> Just bow down before him and say, Lord, I need a word from you. 
Come on, there are people coming from all over the rooms. It's a lot easier just to raise your hand. It's a lot more difficult to just get out of your chair and come right on down this altar. But I need a word from you. I need a word from you. There's an area of my life I'm confused about. There's an area of my life I don't know what to do next. Lord, there's somebody I don't know how to deal with or certain situation I don't know what to, I don't know. Lord, I just need a word from you. Would you come? Just find your place here at the altar tonight. Come on, we can double up. There are people all over the place. Just come on, make your way around. I just need a word from him. Just pour your heart out before him tonight. Come on, people coming from all over the room. Lord, I need a word. I need a word for my child, for my grandchild. I need a word in this business, Lord. I need a word. Let's just take a moment, pour our hearts out before him. Oh God, I need a word from you. I need a word, Lord. Maybe it's in your marriage. I need a word. Somebody here tonight, you're hanging on by a thread. God, we need a word. One word from you, God, changes everything. Maybe you're confused tonight. God, I need a word. Which way to go? I need a word from you. Please speak to me. Listen for his voice. Listen. Somebody's got a question you've been needing to answer. I'm praying right now in Jesus' name. He answers it for you here tonight. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. Listen for him tonight. Call out to him. He said, call out to me and I'll answer you. Father, would you speak now? Speak from heaven. We need a word from you. God, we're desperate for a word from you. We believe. Church, say it with me. We believe a word from you changes everything.